Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit hellmans.com. They say every dog has its day, but when you're Lulu and your parents drive a Camry, every day is your day. The roomy rear seat is the perfect, whoa, is that the dog park? Backseat besties, it's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota, let's go places. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger. Fresh for everyone. Damashek football program available on iTunes and at davedamashek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damashek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 122 of the Dave Damashek football program, available as always on iTunes and at nfl.com/shek. S H E K, an exhilarating, transcendent historical, maybe the best we've ever seen divisional round of the NFL playoffs in the books. We now look forward to the title games. Let's do so with our pal from NFL.com and beyond. Adam Rank, what's the poop fella? Hey, boss. Thanks for having me. Yep. Celebrating still. I don't want to say that I'm celebrating. No, I will that's just, not the right word, but I know is, what you're going to get into right here. And I'm gonna, I'm not going to stop. I know this is, we're going to be going against black tie by, by speaking about this so early, but I will just say this. I was at a function over the weekend, and un, not prompted, mm-hmm. everybody was coming out to me. You know what? I finally, you're absolutely right about Peyton Manning. You and mm-hmm. Dave, for mm-hmm. so long, have been correct about him, and I didn't want to believe it, and I always thought once he got it, blah, 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 of course. And I don't want to celebrate it. It's like, I'm just right. Like, it's the guy who figured out that the world is round. You know what? Yes, I've always known that the world is not flat. We are modern-day Galileos, are we not? Yes. That's exactly kind of how we are, me and you, Rank. Listen, bit. we've said it. People have browbeaten us. You two know nothing. You're pretentious. Who are you two? How do you get a job there and not know about Peyton Manning's greatness or so our colleagues who played in the NFL, well, you're just wrong. You don't know what you're talking about. He's a coach out on the field. All those things would be true, but he still chokes in the playoffs, and it is beyond debate at this point. Peyton Manning throws bad interceptions in big games, I wanna, period, and that's the end of it. I want to know what the coach on the field would say about his, his last throw. 
<laughs> well, with the coach on the field be like, that's not a throw you want to make. To his credit, Peyton Manning accepts responsibility for it, which is something he hasn't always done, as a matter of fact. He sort of, there have been moments in his career where he's sort of taken shots at his offensive line for not keeping him clean mm-hmm. in big games, and that's why things got away from him. But either way, and, and also, credit to him, that was a cool thing he did, sticking around the locker room 90 minutes after the game to yap with Ray Lewis and so on. We've seen the photographs, uh, the, the photograph of it. I, listen, facts are facts. This is the result. Uh, Broncos fans, Colts fans can get upset with me all they want, but vindication, validation, rank. That's mm-hmm. what you and me are uh, are feeling right now. And in fact, I feel like the divisional playoffs on a personal level have, were a weekend of validation slash vindication for me because one, proven correct on Peyton Manning and his his consistent ability to throw away big games. Mm-hmm. And two, I've been saying for a quarter century now, and we saw this all this season and pretty much for the last couple of years, but I said for a quarter century, why don't they run the option in the NFL? And, and again, everybody who knows everything would always tisk tisk at me. Oh, Dave, you can't. <laughs> the NFL, they're too fast. They're too strong. You can't do that. Well, look at what Colin Kaepernick did to the Packers. I have been hit. Well, the validation slash vindication goes the other way when I've been saying Aaron Rodgers is going to go down in history as the greatest quarterback of all time after he wins this Super Bowl. Well, again, for the second straight year, he looks like he has maybe the best team in the conference, and they don't even get as far as the title game. So Still waiting. I, well, so know. that's the ugly side. But I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the things I got right, you see. Mm-hmm. Russell Wilson and so on, running that uh, that pistol, Ooh. whatever you want to call it, the spread option. An amazing. Pete Carroll never learned his lesson about going forward on fourth down. Well, let's talk about yeah. Well, let's talk, let's talk about uh, about all of it right now with our pal from around the league. He is one half of the ATL Debate Club. He is the one who is praised by his fan club, the Flames. <laughs> from around the league, Dan Hansus, what's the poop, fella? Uh, how you doing? First of all, I don't know why I'm not comfortable with that name. I, I don't know why either. It. I like it. Um, number two, I you know this Peyton Manning stuff is just just ridiculous. I am <laughs> a. Peyton, I, was, I would love it. I'm famously going to be good. Famously a Peyton Manning apologist. And the funny thing to me is, first of all, you guys are very quiet when Manning put together. The, one of the greatest comeback seasons of all time, because I remember back in it's early. It's not true at all. What quiet. You, quiet. I, I remember, praised him for how remarkable it was. Early September, being the only voice in the room that thought Manning would come all the way back this year. Uh, Handsome Hank, in that same podcast, I remember him saying he wouldn't make it through three games of some nonsense. All right, don't confuse me okay. with Handsome now, Hank. Now let's move on to this week. So after he, he puts together an MVP season, mm-hmm. now we get to the playoffs. If if Raheem Moore does not develop some type of you know, gross depth perception issue in his life. Uh, Peyton Manning wins that game, and nobody's saying that Manning's a choker. He played a good game, and I will say I will, he played man. a fine game. Joe yeah. Flacco, Joe Flacco played a better game. That's not his. That's not his fault. He was. He threw a pick Joe six. Flacco. Was that you a good? What? Is that was that a good? One? That was a pass interference. All right. Oh, f- it was. Stop. It was a pass interference. Who did he? Did he? He forced the ball into double coverage. I I will advocate. I want a new statistic called the carom when it hits off a receiver's hand because I don't feel that's fair to the quarterback. However, when you're forcing the ball into double coverage like that, that's the kind well, of stuff that can happen. Maybe I need to watch to play again, but I think you need to watch the play again because I don't think it was double coverage. He essentially, it was a slant play. Um, I believe it was Decker's shoulder gets pulled down. It deflects off his hands, and 
um, who was the the uh, Graham behind him picked off the deflection and took it back. He wasn't covered by Which two. Which means that there was another guy there in the vicinity well, who was you know, able to catch ten other the guys ball. on the on the defense. My point is, you got to get off Peyton because no. the guy had a great season. And he, Good. he, he did have bet. a great regular That's, season, which he does every year that he's out there. He has a great regular <laughs> season. And then, like every other postseason, with the exception of the one that finished with him playing Rex Grossman for the Super Bowl, it ended with him throwing a terrible pick. He is the best player on the team. It's a quarterback league. He gets the lion's share of the blame. And let me say one other thing. More self-praise. Seer-like ability by Damashek. I encourage you, nay, demand. If you want these sorts of remarkable fortune-telling deeds, do you? I don't know if you saw what I did on the Twitter <laughs> at Damashek. I to, win that play just before the ball was snapped, before Peyton Manning's pick. I and you can look at the timeline for verification. I tweeted out, "Here comes a Manning pick in five, four, three. I hit send. The ball gets snapped. Peyton Manning throws an interception. I, I remarkable." Beautiful. You I know, thought you were joke. I thought you played that after the fact. No, no, because it was no, that no. close. No, no, you that was that was that, that was real time. Check I the timeline. Yep. And if you want to, you respect and- it. You should hail it. You should fear <laughs> it. You should fear. I'll turn my powers against you. <laughs> if don't. you and also if you're going to sit here and praise or, or blame a teammate for not making a play, you have to give the uh, the holiday credit for returning two kicks. Yes. took the pressure off of Peyton mm-hmm. Manning, allowed him to even be in that game, so he didn't blow it early on. And let me say, completely something. agree with it, that point. That you know, it, listen, how many times are you of all the remarkable things we saw this past weekend? You saw a home team get two kick returns. And they lost the game. That's the the statistical anomaly of that is yep. perhaps the most remarkable of anything. And if this was Tony Romo or somebody like that, they would be all over him. They would be crucifying it. But nobody. Brandon Stokely comes out and takes the blame for a throw for Peyton Manning throwing the ball against his body, like yeah. for making a terrible. You, stop it. You, you can't. You know what? He's a throw. great. You know what? It is somebody who. You know, plays a little bit of fantasy football. Peyton Manning's great for that stuff. Your regular season. Mm-hmm. If there is a meaningless regular season game against the Chiefs, there is nobody I want more than Peyton Manning. But when it comes to the playoffs, and the facts are the facts, Peyton Manning, he just doesn't play well. Do not conflate regular season stats with postseason success. Peyton Manning is the personification of why you should not do that. But all right, that was the only. That was one game. And it was a gangbusters game. The other game that was great was the. Well, I, I thought. I thought the um, Colin Kaepernick felt like a paradigm change. Looking at that, uh, to talk about the personification, he what he looked like. I, I felt like I was looking at the future of football. I know we've seen, you know, as long ago as. Cordell Stewart even or Mike Vick running around and we've seen about Steve Young and all these guys run around and make plays with their legs but there was a quality to the way uh, Kaepernick was doing it that you know the way he sort of glides he looks unlike anything I've ever seen before and then I floated that on Twitter and a lot of people said what about Randall Cunningham I guess that's the closest professional Stop. comparison you might make don't do that well, don't, you know, don't compare a guy from Nevada to a UNLV guy oh, that, that's I didn't really even make that connection the that they're both don't... from the what, what's the unlikely the upset of that that those two guys are from the same state maybe that's how they grow them in, uh, in, uh, in that state but the other game that probably goes down in history for how close it was is the Seattle game, obviously, in Atlanta. And I feel like 
if you're a Falcons fan, if you're one of the Falcons players, obviously players have a different frame of mind than uh, than we regular people do. Um, but I, I would have a hard time feeling really confident after that game. It felt like they lost the game. The further away you get from it, the more you look at the pieces of that game and what happened in it. It just feels like people always ask that question. I usually make fun of the cliche. Did they or the the cliched question? Did they lose the game or did the other team win it? Well, both happened. I think technically, mm-hmm. I think that's what, that's how it goes. One wins and one loses. But. I get the spirit of what you're saying there when people ask that. And Seattle feels like lost that game. It doesn't feel like Atlanta won it. Hanzoos, how say you? Yeah, I mean, you cannot feel good as uh, the Falcons, you know, 27-7 in the fourth quarter. And you need what amounts to, you know, a minor miracle to get those 40 yards to get mm-hmm. into the field goal range in the last 30 seconds. And not to – I don't want to go back to the last game, but it just – you know, um, John Fox kneeling on the ball at the end of the fourth quarter – instead of going for the field goal after that long touchdown by Jacoby Jones, it shows what the Falcons were able to do, which is move right down the field. It's possible to do. Tom Brady did it in the Super Bowl against the Rams yeah. in his second season. If, if he could do it, if the Patriots pressed the issue on that big stage, the excuse of John Fox way more and John El- it wasn't. No, it was less than a minute. I'm not sure exactly. Black tie, if you don't mind, look up and see how long that last drive was for the Patriots in the Super Bowl against the Rams. It wasn't. It, was, it wasn't a yeah, minute. But John Fox, he sees who his quarterback is. I wouldn't have. Put he didn't him. have time. But Brady didn't have timeouts at that in that right. I don't. I don't think he did. But either way, John Elway. Well, it makes sense. They just got punched in the jaw. It was. It was like a pri- His oh. analogy was, it's like a prize fighter getting uh, knocked down or something. We needed to catch he's, our breath for a second. What? He's, he's being polite. I wouldn't have wanted to put Peyton Manning out in that situation. I think that that is really That's, it. I think know, John Fox knows. Well, you give the ball that you give him the ball. He might what? throw a pick here, and that would be the end of the game. We don't even get to over. What that. other explanation? You know, you know how what? much money. Peyton Manning gets paid to be the quarterback for the Broncos. Do you yes. think they're actually going to play it like they had Tim Tebow? They, they did, did on not? third and seven. I thought they running the ball on third and seven where they did. That is wrongly being questioned. I think that you spin the clock there. I think by the time the by the time they punted the ball, it was at what like one twenty ish or one ten ish or something like. That. So though that kind of makes sense to me. But to not press the issue with two timeouts and thirty seconds when you basically need two 15-yard completions to have a shot in the thin air. I know Prater missed the kick at the end of the first half, but given his track record, he's made kicks over 60 yards. You're not looking. You don't need, yeah. to, you don't need to get the ball that far down the field nope. for a shot to win the game. He's validating us right there. Yep. He knows. The Pats had one minute, 30 seconds. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah, well, I stand corrected. Good for you, Rank. Kudos I, uh, to Point you. for Rank. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> that was awesome. And we're all looking around Stunned like, yeah. Stunned silence so was, the rink. He doesn't was, know what to make I of it. I was weird. Yeah, I was weirded out by it, too. I didn't know what to make of it. But, yes, John Fox looked at his quarterback said, you know what? I would, I'm sitting on it, too. I don't want to put Peyton out in that situation and have him throw away this game. Madness. Let's try to protect. Plus, you've scored twice on kickoff return, or a kickoff return and a punt return. If you win the, if you win the coin toss – they got a kickoff to you. That's been your best offensive weapon all day. That doesn't seem like a, a horrible idea. But going back to what you guys were saying about Atlanta, I would actually disagree a little bit because given Atlanta's history of choking, of not playing well in the playoffs, and then you've got 30 seconds and you've got Matt Ryan, poor maligned Matt Ryan who has not played well in the playoffs before, for him to come out and make those two throws, to me, 
would leave me more encouraged as a Falcons fan. Like, you know what? We finally got it. There is no reason that team should have rallied. That building was dead. The look on everybody's face was disbelief. Agree. They should have. You know what? That game. He should did have throw been over a strike. Here. the The strike was really the ball that gets the uh, the uh, team across midfield. There. That's yes. the, That's the ball that uh, that was beyond reproach. That was a terrific pass there. The bummer, I will. Oh, you know, and as a side note, something that he has not gotten enough. He, Mike Smith has shown himself not to be the greatest game manager no. in history. But you know, it was a weird one that no one will remember. And people are talking about Matt Bryant's Matt Bryant's lousy kickoff um, after the field goal. But you know, it was strange. It shouldn't have even been that. Why did Mike Smith call a timeout with 16 seconds left or 15 seconds left in the hmm. game? He could have burned the clock down to four seconds. Yeah. He has a second timeout, so conceivably you could say, well, in case the snap was fumbled, we could call timeout and do that. So fine. So call the timeout with eight seconds left. But that the fact that they left the, that much time on the clock so right. that Seattle actually had a, had a little bit of a shot there was strange. Here's the other takeaway from this gangbusters weekend, and I want to talk about historically where these games stack up. But real quick, the only bummer about the divisional playoffs is now what we're left with. This Final Four is unsatisfying as far as I'm concerned. We, there, there are at least three options that would have been better, namely – Brady versus Peyton, which mm-hmm. would, that, you know, of course, that would have been fun. That would have been the most buzzed about um, matchup. And fail Mary two would have been right. would have been wonderful. That would have been my personal favorite game to to get a look at. And Seattle and San Francisco round three, that NFC West matchup. Which, by the way, I, I know I say it all the time, but that NFC West is going to be is going to be unbelievable next year. Mm-hmm. Cardinals notwithstanding, what a great division that's going to be in that rivalry. But, man, to see that one played out one more time, I would prefer all of those to watching the Niners play in a dome for the for the title. Oh, yes. And, I, and, and honestly, um, this is – and we have, and by the way, we're going to be talking with the Ravens linebacker Brendan Ayabendejo in just a minute here, the guy who rode with – um, Ray Lewis to the to his last home game and uh, fought, and filled in for Ray when he was hurt those uh, those six eight weeks um, in just a minute here no disrespect to him or anyone else I just think they've taken way too many snaps I looked it up though uh, in, in these last two weeks that that defense is going to be and and with the way that the Patriots they do a great job their Patriots aren't the only team to run a no huddle and and a hurry up offense but they do it pretty proficiently they get up there and you and literally you could see it on Sunday. The Texans are are barely getting across the line by the time the ball snapped. That's a lot of pressure to put on an already tired and slightly old defense. Um, so anyway, um, let's talk about where those games rank. Then the, the the two, the Saturday early game and the Sunday early game. Where does people immediately like to get into the hyperbole? Greatest game ever played. Rank. I start with you. Your favorite NFL game, postseason or otherwise. Postseason or otherwise, maybe it was the Tuck Rule game, and I go back to that one. Of a the beautiful inex- one to inex- look at. That snow. It was snowing, and it was inexplicable, and it had the Raiders losing, which mm-hmm. is always a recipe for success. And just remembering that game because I watched, because I used to when I uh, when that game was going on, I was working for NFL Publishing, and I would put together the Super Bowl program, and I had been assigned the Patriots who so you know you're putting together their roster and how they were built and depth charts and everything so I knew everything about the Patriots and who all the players were and everything happened to go over to our neighbors took me to a party with these Patriots fans 
Nobody knew who I was. Nobody who knew who I worked for. But because I knew every guy, I'm like, you know, they're arguing like, who's that offensive line? Like, oh, that's Mike Compton. He played here. You know, and like that kind of – they're like, this guy's amazing. And I remember <laughs> actually calling it after that fumble. I pointed out like there's a thing called the tuck rule. And then everybody's like, no, you're so wrong. I'm like, yeah, Kurt Warner, it happened to him in the last regular season game, and they had made a push for it. And all the officials went around and said, you know what, make sure you know what the tuck rule game is or what the tuck rule is. So when that happened, I called it, and I was heralded in this You know this what's funny thing. about that? <laughs> Since we're patting ourselves on the back quite a bit uh, on this podcast today, I will also say um, a, a maybe a little-known rule, the – the holy roller rule as when Marshawn Lynch fumbled that touchdown going in in the last minute there I immediately tweeted that's not a touchdown if I mean it looked like Lynch was in the end zone had that been a touchdown it wouldn't have, wouldn't have stood because of the holy roller rule from the what was that 1978 77 I yeah. summon the call of the late great Oakland Raiders play-by-play man Bill King for this week's shame report it's up on nfl.com I encourage you nay demand that you check it out. And by the way, something else I looked up was I just said that the Ravens were unlikely to be able to bounce back physically after the two games they've had, especially after a double overtime game, because it occurred to me the thing I think about is the other team in that holy roller game against the Raiders in 78, the San Diego Chargers. And I always remember that as my favorite game. That That is the best game I've ever seen is the Chargers at the Dolphins in 1980. To 1981, that would have been, um, or was yeah, that 82? That was that 81, and they had yeah to go because to the because the, the Bengals week. go to the Super Bowl right in 16 and play Montana and company there. But it, uh, to me, I remember that pivot from the sweltering South uh, South Beach heat, Kellen Winslow being carried off the field with the heat stroke and all that jazz. Then they immediately go up to frigid Cincinnati, one of the coldest games in NFL history. Um, so I looked it up, and I thought, well, teams that play double overtime games probably then don't come back and play well the following week. Encouraging news for the for the uh, for the Ravens and their fans. I think it's two and two or two and three of teams coming off a double overtime game the following week. The Dolphins played the longest game in history against the Chiefs back in what was that seventy one? I think seventy one. Like Christmas Day, they win the next game and go to the Super Bowl there. The Chargers lose that game. Like I say, the Browns play a double overtime game against uh, Hanzus's Jets in what was that, 86. 86. They lose that next game on the Ernest Biner fumble, but they're in that game. I, I, you would think I would show up with those actual games to back yeah, up my status. But the point is, there is some history of teams actually turning around and winning and coming back from a double overtime game the week before. But to, but to answer the question I posed early, uh, I will say the greatest game ever. 41-38, look it up, kids. The greatest single play, the, to me the most exciting play I've ever seen, objectively, end of the half, the... San Diego Chargers go up 24 nothing in that game against the Dolphins in the Orange Bowl. The They put in Don Strock, the backup QB, does Don Shula. They come back, they get it to 21-10, and at the end of the half, the last play of the half is uh, Don Strock throws it to Duriel Harris, the wide receiver of the Dolphins, who catches it and laterals it to Tony Nathan, the hook and ladder. Touchdown, exhilarating, and I'd never seen anything like that as a young boy. Go on the YouTube. You can still see that play. Maybe we should put that on the page today, too, with the uh, with the podcast there. Hanzoos, your favorite uh, playoff game. 
I would say, like, in my younger years, and one of the games that really got me hooked on the NFL was Super Bowl twenty three, uh, when the Bengals, I'm a big upset guy, especially in the Super Bowl, and the Bengals mm-hmm. were big dogs against 49ers, um, in the John Taylor play, and I always remember a couple really? things. Tim Crumry's uh, leg injury in that game. Yes, broken leg, one of the one of the most graphic and hideous injuries you'll ever yes. see. It was also the first Bud Bowl. It was in Super Bowl mm, twenty three. Connected with me at that time, and of course the play right before the John Taylor. People do not nobody remember. Nobody thinks this. about it. An easy interception in the end zone. Lewis Billups, right? I th- is that him? Is that the name? I wasn't sure the name, but I remember Joe Montana's legacy is forever changed mm-hmm. if that ball is grabbed, but just shows how easy throws this stuff happens. Joe Montana, the play immediately before he throws it to John Taylor for the win, I think it is Lewis Billups of the Bengals. He throws it right into his hands and he drops it. That, the Bengals could be a Super Bowl champion, could have defeated Joe Montana. You see, that's what we were reminded of, too, this weekend. The it, it, It's remarkable how uh, that how uh, legacies how uh, how a season how the individual and so on could be completely changed by a hair like you say Raheem Moore if he if he gets a fingertip on on that ball how different the playoffs would look right now you're right absolutely the Bengals should have won that Super Bowl if uh, if Billups or who and I might be wrong I'm saying Lewis Billups I'm pretty sure yeah. that's who it was but either way yeah Joe Montana has now an impenetrable I just noticed uh, the other day on ESPN they were asking that question who's the better playoff quarterback Tom Brady or Joe Montana well it's Joe Montana he's never lost in the Super Bowl ergo you can't argue with that, that that's that's a that's so much hokum to debate that when Tom mm-hmm. Brady's lost two Super Bowls but Right, Montana could have thrown uh, could have thrown that big pick. All right, now let us. Oh, wait a second. Before we're gonna, we're, I have been day show. Don't uh, don't get dial them up yet. We got a little bit of business to do here. Black tie. It's our weekly shout out. We like you to do a little shout out on the show. It's something that Black Tie started some months ago, and the people have fallen in love with it. So go <laughs> ahead, give the people what they want. Black tie. This week's shout out. It's time for Black Tie Shoutouts. I like to give a shout-out to. Give a shout-out to. I just want to give a shout-out to you. All right, guys, just to expand on what you were saying, Shaq, you know, I'm just giving shout-outs to the, to the jobs that I find to be difficult, so mm-hmm. they might be listening yeah, to Yeah, not the that these aren't to individuals that he knows. He just has yeah. decided to be <laughs> benevolent and start shouting totally. out the strangers. All right. I mean, just because we work in the NFL doesn't mean we need to not acknowledge people who don't have such pleasant jobs. They might. Just I know. Be- you act like you're so downtrodden. And, by the way, people on Twitter, <laughs> I said it at the end of the podcast last week, that I, I feel like that Rank and I deserve – credit for overcut you know listen joe flacco maybe he doesn't have great games in the regular season but he delivers when it counts rank and i have a lot of pressure on us too we do a podcast well you know peyton manning well it was cold he doesn't do well in the cold rank and i have the broadcasting equivalent we have a producer who hates the show and we overcome that yes so and not well, true you're you work at the nfl don't you don't can't you not see true not true you get but... to talk about football all day or listen better yet you get to listen to us talk about football yeah, yeah. There more was interesting guy, i had to watch the uh, sunday games at a bar and every time russell wilson was dropping back to pass one of my cousins was like sexy deep ball <laughs> no it <laughs> 
<laughs> Black guys hey. claim to fame calling Russell Wilson. Even his uh, two-yard touchdown passes have that sexy loft to it <laughs> and that touch. It Please marry him already and make your shout. But uh, all right, so like I said, just giving shout outs to those guys who might be listening to the podcast at work and just want to just want to hear something nice about them that day. All right, all right. So my shout out this week, guys. You guys know Sonic, right? The what does that restaurant mean? food chain. Oh, I was yeah. like, well, Sonic the Hedgehog. No, not not that one. The new team in Seattle. No, the food chain that you see all the commercials for, like every day, all day, and you actually never see. I don't know about you guys. I've never seen a Sonic location. I've been to about ten different states. It's nowhere to be found. Yeah, I the like bit. their commercials. So, the two guys in the, in the commercials. They're great. They're awesome very commercials. Funny. It looks interesting, but I never see them. Well, you all haven't right. been to Texas, first of all. Well. I have been everywhere in Texas. in Texas. We have better burgers I was, I was in here in LA than just about, about anywhere in the country. I, you're right. I, I don't know that we have yeah. any. Sonic. So my shout out this week goes to whoever the employees are because wh- whatever the job is does not exist. So shout out to those guys because they don't have a job. Sonic. It's like it's a cover. Like you hear it's somebody like, "Hey, where do you work, Sonic?" No, you yeah. don't. Those places don't exist. You they know don't. what? I'm glad you brought this up, there actually, one, Black though. Tie, because oh, there is a, a Sonic There's in L.A. One not too far. It's not in L.A. It's in uh, it's in Orange County. Nah, I don't. I, I don't feel I need it. There are enough good burger options around these parts. But you know what? You do bring up something interesting there, Black Tie, and those two guys in those Sonic commercials. The two guys sitting in the car and eating and lightly kibitzing. Um, <laughs> they're amusing. And I like that, and that has really become a, a uh, something in small. I mean, it, it, the number of commercials airing right now. I dare say that it's the worst percentage in history. They they achieve 180 degrees the opposite of their intended goal, namely getting me to use their product because I find the people in the ad so repellent. <laughs> I wouldn't dare think of using them for fear of uh, of guilt by association. Like flow and progressive. No. Flow is the least of our problems. <laughs> How about the girl in the in the uh in, in the KFC ads with the when she does that she she does that like uh bucket what what does she even go bucket go boom and oh, then she does the thing yeah. with her hands. She is annoying. Eddie Money is annoying. Oh poor Eddie Money. He looks a lot like do you know God. the comedian Carol Leifer? I feel bad for her because <laughs> yes. she looks very much like him, too much like him in fact. Pitbull, I've said it before. I've given it as much time as I can. I just can't see a way that he and I would be friends. No. I don't think he and I would want to hang out together. I want to. Be, I, I think as little as I want to hang out with Pitbull, I bet you he would. Uh, he'd feel the same way. I want to be a Pitbull fan, just so he has one. <laughs> oh, I don't think. I don't think he's. Does he not have fans? No, I mean, I was it just decided that Pitbull is going to be a celebrity? Because I don't find anything about him that's engaging. His music sounds like every other he song is, you hear in a commercial. Can't tell the difference, yeah. He's, he's like, not. He doesn't strike me as a handsome man. So I don't know what the what the ladies would be getting he excited lecherous about. Lecherous, almost. He's just like a stereotypical guy, like other popular artists go to when they want to make like a dance Latino type of track. He's a oh, just do a song with Pitbull. This. Do something that's I also noisy. don't get the. Uh, he's got to have like an agent who just pitched him for these things. Like, oh no, he's cool. With I the like smart beer, thing. and I'm. A, a, you know, I like to. I like to. It's one of my passions. You know, I like uh, my passions include eating food and drinking booze. And and m- m- the one I recently uh, dis- determined. Please I also don't like, mention the last one. I like to have fun. <laughs> I like to have fun is is another sure. one of my passions. But booze is is also one, and. You know, I'm a, I'm, I more or less a regular fella, I guess. You know, more, I'm a, you know, maybe a little long in the tooth, but more. But I don't like those people in the beer ads. The fellas in there, the ones like, dun, 
da na na na, and it's like, hey, you you know, you're bros, not the ones who you share blood with, but your but the fellas who you hang out with, the yeah. ones who know you by your nickname, not your real name. That those yeah. are, all those guys high fiving and having a great time. I don't like any of them. Yes. I don't want to be friends with any of them. They're not welcome in my house. I don't want. If you see me in a bar and you want to high five me because our we we cheer for the same team, don't. I don't <laughs> like you. Maybe it's because I. Is there I, any other? Let's go. Let's burn through some more potential sponsors. Since we're <laughs> at, uh, I don't like the guy. I don't. I don't know if you guys have a brother, by the way. But whenever I hear that commercial, I, all I ever hear it's like. Not your real brother. You hate that guy. These are your buddies. It's like the the idea that you have a blood brother is like this ugly thing that you would never be close to your real brother. But your <laughs> friends are great people. How do they know my family that we don't talk to each other? Yes, you're right. <laughs> um, what about the Taco Bell? Like the guys who roll up to the party with Taco Bell? Like, hey, you'll be the hit of the party. Oh, yeah. No, the coolest dudes around. You'll be you'll be the jerk that showed up with Taco. Really? You showed up with a 10-pack oh, no. of tacos. Oh, uh, no, there's one better, and I think it is also a taco ad. The guy who shows up, and he's dressed like a fancy man. I don't know why. He has <laughs> oh, under- no, he's got the burrito. He's like, he's, like, he's like an English professor. He brings a burrito. He's got his blazer over his sweater vest. Actually, he kind of dresses like rank. But anyway, so uh, he, show, uh, he shows up. And the other three guys are eating wings, and they're fighting like like sitting feral a, beasts for, sitting, sitting for in a love meat. seat. Yeah, yeah there are three guys jammed into a love seat. This guy sh- sits down and tisk tisks. <laughs> you're you're so undignified. He sits there and eats his burrito. He's another guy that can't come over to my house. I don't yes. want I don't want you coming over either. And I don't want to try your food. All right, guys. Although we do happened, we do want your sponsorship though. Quickly, let's get to uh, Hanzu's here. Matter of fact, we'll we'll do our picks later. We'll do uh, in episode two this week. Rank. Let's mm-hmm. hold our picks for the title games. Till then, but Hanzus, how say you? Tell us what you think. Um, I, you know, I think I think the Niners and Pats are on a collision course. Um, I think they'll both win. My only fear is that Atlanta sneaks out with an overtime type win, and we are overdue for a fifty-five twenty-one Super Bowl, and the Pats just destroy. We are overdue yeah, for I'm one of really, those stinkers. I'm yeah. nervous about the Falcons. They did that to us once in '98, and I'm afraid it could happen again. But I really do think the Niners will make the leap, especially with Kaepernick this year. And I think the Pats will take care of business. Um, all right, good stuff, Hans Zeus. We'll look forward to later in the week to hearing you and your pal, the 2012 Shecky Award winner for newcomer to the podcast of the year, Mark Sessler. <laughs> I was second runner-up. In the meantime, Working we on. will look forward to uh, reading your work on Around the League at uh, NFL.com. Speaking of which, Around the League, Hans Zeus, nice piece on your uh, New York Jets and why that job should be coveted. The GM job should be coveted, not uh, laughed at like it, it seems most people it are doing is, right now. Yeah. Nice piece. You give five, six reasons why. Don't do six reasons. You're not no, allowed no, to give six. I actually did seven. Because if you do a list at the NFL.com, you better make it different than the man that created lists, Adam Rank. <laughs> Why is that funny? Because you don't like it if somebody does a list when that somebody, ends in six. When somebody takes my property, yes. I, I'm very weird about in this. In defense of anybody whose list happens to be six, now if you decide I'm going to do a list and I need six of them, then that's then that's a problem. But if I, I'm I'm one who makes a list, I don't predetermine how many items there are. If that if when somebody says, Hey, what give me your favorite movies 
and then says, but keep it to five or give it, keep it to 20. No, I'll get You want to know what the best movies are? If my <laughs> list runs two or if it runs 27, so be it. You don't tell me how long my list is going to be. But you understand? Have, but we have a history of hands just cutting and pasting my work wow. and then putting it on <laughs> wow. the stage. That is just horrendous. Let's do a hard-hitting expose. Was, it was horrendous. Yes. Well, we're going to do a hard-hitting expose and get to the bottom of this <laughs> after will. the Super Bowl, but we have a lot of things to talk about. Let's talk about the second straight AFC title game between the Baltimore Ravens and the New England Patriots going down in Foxborough with a guy who's going to be playing in that game fresh off one of the great games of all time. It's linebacker of the Baltimore Ravens, Brendan Ayabendejo. All right, Rank, here he is, a guy who uh, you, you may have uh, read about on the social media. Of course, you saw him way back at the start of the season there, making some uh, some interesting noise about same-sex marriage. And now he's going to be participating in his second straight AFC title game, the linebacker of the Baltimore Ra- Ravens, Brendan Ayabindejo. How do you like that pronunciation, first of all? Our Nigerian-born producer behind the glass coached us up to make sure we got the J just right. Yeah, I, I like the J, the beginning part. You know, you start out a little bit off, but you fixed your pitch and you worked it out. And it ended up being a pretty good performance. I actually enjoyed it. Thank you. But wait a second. I, where did I flub? Aya Bendejo. Ayan. Ayan, baby. All, all eyes on me, baby. You know what I'm saying? Ah, okay. I got you. I got you. So a little bit of noise. I noticed uh, I got you, you got a little bit of attention over the last uh, 48 hours for going on that social media, huh? Yeah, you know, I just you know made an observation and um, and then I started bantering with the uh, the, uh, the Patriots fans. But <clears throat> most importantly, um, our, our organization did a lot of good things over the weekend and kind of took the attention off of that. So it was, it was a selfish move on my behalf, um, on my behalf to start bantering with the fans and whatnot. But um, yeah, so that's what happened. Oh, wow. and, uh, <laughs> I, I, I let everybody know that was a selfish move on my behalf because it's never about me. It's always about the team and the great things that we did on Saturday and the great things that we're looking forward to doing on Sunday and in February in New Orleans. I hear you, man. I hear you. Believe me, I on Sunday was talking uh, about Tom Brady and, uh, and mentioning some things, some some cold hard facts. I was just mentioning. Yeah, that's a dangerous game you're playing. The Patriots fans will hit you. Hard and heavy with uh, with uh, their thoughts when you go on the Twitter. So, all right, first of all, let's talk about, let's celebrate the greatness of that game in which you participated on Saturday. I mean, listen, I think it goes without saying, because since it's one of the greatest games of all time, best game you've ever been in? Yeah, I mean, even, you know, we did something similar in San Diego with the fourth down and forever. Mm-hmm. But this game in the playoffs, to do it at this time, it means so much more, you know. So, um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was definitely the craziest game I've ever played in. And uh, it was an exciting game. And just to be up there in Denver and what the stakes were with Ray playing and possibly could have been his last game going against the all-time great Peyton Manning. So it was, just, it was an awesome game. And I was, I was so happy to be a part of it. You talk about Peyton Manning. There was a lot made about how he performed at the end of the game. It seemed to some that the velocity was gone off his throws. Did you guys notice anything like that on the field? You know, actually, during the game we didn't. But you go back and you watch the film, and there was no balls thrown down. No balls thrown downfield. Like you know, Flat was throwing seventy-yard bombs, fifty-yard bombs. You didn't see any of that from from Peyton. So. Um, 
from what I know, that that just wasn't that wasn't in their it was in their game plan. But for whatever reasons, the defenses we were in, we had two high safeties. You can't really throw deep on too high; it's going to be too dangerous or whatever. So he didn't get the looks that he wanted to see to, to throw deep. But he did get a lot of great underneath looks, and he was completing all those passes underneath. His accuracy was was right on. So um, I mean, we just didn't see the downfield balls. I can't speculate and say that oh, it's because of his arm or because of his neck or. or or previous injuries or whatever, but um, we just, for whatever reasons in our game, we didn't see them. Well, uh, you know, we no, even the most cynical people like uh, Rank and myself have to applaud Peyton and Ray that uh, 90 minutes after the game, Peyton waits around to congratulate Ray and Kibitz with him a little bit. Now, you drove in the car with Ray to his final home game the week before. First of all, did you stop off anywhere, a little fast food, get a little uh, <laughs> McMuffin or anything like that? You, you definitely don't know about Ray Lewis if you're talking about fast food. If anything, he would have stopped at the, the local organic smoothie joint and got a, got some type of papaya, mango, broccoli, kale smoothie or something. But, no, we, we went right from the hotel. Um, it's literally a two-mile two drive from the hotel up into M&T Bank Stadium, and he just wanted to take it all in. He drove kind of slow, and I recorded a little bit on my cell phone, mm-hmm. the fans and whatnot. But um, it was a special moment for me because I'm sitting here with the greatest linebacker, inside linebacker of all time, and I, I get to go to his final game and see the emotion, hear the nerves inside of his voice. And you're talking about a guy that's, done, that's been there, done that, and done everything, but he hasn't driven up to his last game at M&T Bank Stadium yet until I got into the car and we did it. So it was pretty special, man. Yeah, that uh, that is a pretty cool highlight to have that one. Uh, that's a, a nice uh, thing to scratch off your bucket list. Uh, drove a future Hall of Famer to his final uh, home game. Yeah, pretty. Well, uh, he, he, he drove me, but we drove oh. together. I see, I see. Boy, uh, a papaya smoothie, the downside of getting a lift from Ray Lewis. Uh, these these are the <laughs> insights you only hear. What does, I mean, with listen, it's hard to say because I, I, I don't mean to put you on the spot with this, but, you know, um, we we've heard a lot of stories about Ray Lewis and the significance that he has in the sport and what he means to his peers. I mean, I certainly don't think that uh, I, I I can't think of a player who is more revered by his fellow players more than Ray Lewis is. But what is it specifically, if you can put it into words? What what counsel has he given you personally, or what what significance does he have in that Ravens locker room that is different than anyone else who is a vocal guy in the locker room and and inspires the guys to go out there and play well? What is it about Ray Lewis that has engendered such transcendent praise from anybody who's ever come in contact with him? I think if you've never seen anybody with his passion and his enthusiasm and his excitement, and when he talks, it's not even about football, it's about life. So everything really resonates that he says because it's like, what? how are you going to leave your mark? How are people going to perceive you when you leave football? And how are you going to use football for people to perceive you and project you towards your future? So the things that he says, says are so powerful and they really resonate with everybody in the room. And it's it's not just if you're playing football, it's when you're sitting at home and, and what are you doing when nobody's watching? What do you do in the community? Are, are, how are you, are you changing the community? Are you being a difference maker in every aspect of your life? What type of parent are you? What type of person are you? So these things resonate and they, and they go beyond football and, and it's the big picture 
Whereas, you know, we're playing a game that a lot of us only get to play for three years, right? He's in his 17th season. I'm in my 13th professional season. So when, when you're talking to guys that, you know, the average is three years, you have to find a way to hit home. And he hits home with those types of words and things that he says. And just his energy and his emotion is, I've never seen anything like it before. I'm so excited to see what he does after football because, you know, we've had him here in Baltimore and the NFL's had him for so long. Now he gets to shine and just spread his wings and, and make a difference throughout the entire world. It's going to be amazing. Well, I don't want to get too heavy. I, want, I do want to talk about the Patriots game. But real quick, uh, continuing the conversation in, uh, about uh, what goes on in the locker room. You, at the start of the season, you got a fair amount of attention for advocating for same-sex marriage. And I, to me, it seems it's the 21st century. And you hear people who say, boy, that would not go over well in a professional uh, locker room. What would happen at this point? What if a player on, on the Ravens said, yeah, I'm gay and, I, and I've been uh, with this guy for the last few years and uh, and, and we're going to get hitched? What would be the response to that? Would people really be like, well, he's no longer our friend then? <laughs> um well, I think it, it'd be a, it'd go over a lot easier in, in the Ravens locker room because of organization and, and the precedence that Dick Cass has set, saying that you know we accept everybody in, in our organization, we don't discriminate, and that comes from the top. It's Steve Bashotti. and the number one thing is if, if you're a great person and you play great football, then you're accepted in our locker room and in our organization. And um, you know, some people wouldn't like it certainly, but um, you know, I'd be there so, to su- support them, and there'd be multiple other players that would be there to support them. And eventually it would be something, you know, that everybody would support and accept just like, you know, the Washington Redskins were the last team in the NFL to have an African-American player in their locker room. And now it's the type of thing. It's in every locker room. It's in every sport. And um, so I, I see the same thing, same type of evolution with, um, with including LGBTs in, in um, athletics. When do you think it's going to happen? When do you expect something for a player to, in any professional sport to come out of the closet? Well, you know, you've seen it in boxing, and you see guys come out after they retire. Um, I think uh, it's it's we're getting closer to it. I don't know when exactly it's going to happen. I, I still know that um, with the type of mindsets that are still uh, existing in some places and in some locker rooms, um, it might not. You know, there might be a gay player on a on a team say that's not the Ravens, and. Um, you know, the guys aren't as open as, as accepting. So it just has to be the right time. It has to be the right place. Um, I can't say when, but um, I want to, you know, be the type of player myself, Scott Fujita, Chris Cooley, that, that welcomes whoever it is that comes out and accepts them and, and um, they can lean on us and we're going to help change, you know, people's mindset in sports. You just got to be a good person and you got to be able to play whatever sport you're playing and go out there and be successful, be yourself, be happy, live your life. All right. Well, let's pl- now let's uh, let's talk about playing a game, specifically the AFC title game. For the second straight year, you'll be doing so in Foxborough. How did you guys collectively turn the page? I thought, well, that, that, to me, that was one of the coolest football-related things Ray Lewis did in his career. Was immediately after that game could well have been the end of his career that he essentially, figuratively at least, put his arm around Billy Cundiff after he misses that kick and says, uh, "Hey, it's it's not about this guy; it's about the team." I thought that was. Uh, was pretty cool stuff out of him. But how do you turn the page and now get ready for uh, for another showdown with Tom Brady and company? Man, it was after that game, you know, there's a lot of emotions and, and, you know, we've come so far to just fall so, you know, slightly incrementally short of, of reaching the Super Bowl. And in that locker room, we made a pact with each other that we're going to make it back to this game. 
we're going to do it together as a team. We win as a team. We lose as a team. We didn't lose from one person in this locker room. It was a collective effort. And, and when we win that Super Bowl in 2013, it's going to be another collective effort. So we made a pact with each other that we're going to get back to this same place. And, man, countless hours of work and sweat and commitment and dedication and eliminating all kinds of distractions and bad things and uh, just being positive and sticking together like a fist. And we're finally back there. It's a year later, and we're right back to where we were. We can make amends for everything that happened in that in that game in uh, uh, last year in the AFC Championship game, and get to our goals this year. So um, it was a tough road. We've climbed it, and and now we're um, on the brink of of going to a, a a Super Bowl, and we did it together. So it's been an amazing year. It's been a long year. It's been a tough year, but amazing to to set your sights on something and be able to get back there. I'll tell you, it's uh, you're in the minority as a team in that you didn't play especially great in December. There's not much of a historical precedent for a team sort of limping towards the playoffs, although you did have that great uh, game against the Giants to right the ship before the end of the season. But uh, in the weeks leading up to that, not uh, not uh, exactly world beaters. So what I, uh, the, the shocking thing to me about the game you just played, the double overtime game, is first of all, overcoming two kick returns against you on the road and you still win the game but beyond that Joe Flacco Mr. January all of a sudden the second straight postseason what gives what how is he able to flip the switch what have you observed is it Jim Caldwell what gives here why is Joe Flacco so dynamite well I think um you know we start out the season nine and two we started the season really strong um the only team that really handled us this year was the Texans. And then other than that, you know, we had a game that we easily could have won against the Eagles and we lost that game, but whatever. We we're nine and two. And then we had a, just a myriad of injuries. So we never had really had our, our full team at full strength and we're still missing Ladarius Webb. He's crucial to our secondary, but um, we're able to get guys healthy and, and we played so well early on in the season that we got into the playoffs and we knew Ray was going to be coming back. And, and now we're just finally getting back to, where we were, where everybody was healthy, and now we're clicking on all cylinders. Now, as far as Joe Flacco is concerned, I think he's playing so well because Coach Caldwell has done a great job. He commits to the run game. We pound it, we pound it, we pound it, and, you know, regardless if Ray gets a, a one-yard run, a three-yard run, we stay committed to the run, which is something we didn't necessarily do in the past. You can't just go into a game and do chunk, 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 and, you know, some of them are complete, some of them are incomplete. You don't really don't have any type of – um, consistency on your offense. So we stuck to the run game, and then that opens up everything for the pass game with Joe. So, and, and Joe, he's such a competitor. He's so fiery that um, he wants to be successful, and he's in a contract year himself. So the better he does right now, the more money he's going to make next year. And then even crazier, he's done things that no quarterback's ever done before, to be in the playoffs five years in a row in his first five years and to win a game in each of those five years. So, I mean, you're seeing the um, – you're seeing the build of a, of a great quarterback, and he's just going to do more great things to come, so we're really excited about him. Yeah, it's amazing. 51 weeks uh, in the last 51 weeks in the postseason. He outplays Tom Brady in Foxborough last year in the title game, outplays Peyton Manning in mile high. Now he gets another crack at him this time around. Is it? Uh, are you guys talking in the locker room with the emerging running game that the Patriots have been showing now pretty much all season and definitely against the Texans on Sunday? Is the focus, we got to stop that running game and make Tom Brady is it uh, is the strategy do you think get aggressive and get after Brady as much as possible I know you're not going to completely pull back the curtain there but uh, what's the mindset going into this one and trying to slow down that offense yeah I mean here's the kicker I mean with everything that I said on Twitter I mean the everybody knows that the New England Patriots have the best offense in football and, and they always have and 
considered the best quarterback in football. So, and even some of the best tight ends in football as well. So, um, and there's no gimmicks there, right? So they have a great offense. They do what they do, and you just have to find a way to shut them down. You got to stop the run game, and then you got to go from there. But just like, um, just like going against Peyton Manning, when you're going against Tom Brady. Um, you, you have to be able to hit him. And if you don't hit him, then he's going to sit there and he's going to pick you apart. So you got to stop the run game. You got to hit, uh, you got to hit Tom Brady. And, you know, and your offense also has to be able to put some points up on the board. It's going to take a full team victory. You're not going to be able to just, you know, do something on defense and not do something on offense because their defense is legal. Their special teams are good. So, you know, all across the board, we're going to have to attack them in, in, in all three phases. And um, it's going to be it's going to be a battle. It's going to be a great game. I can't wait. Yeah, I'm looking forward to watching it myself. And uh, listen, I'll tell you, here's a little secret. I've been watching long for a long time now. Tom Brady does not like getting a lot of pressure. So if you guys get after him, that will be the key, that's Damashek's key to Ravens success. I'll tell you what is no gimmick is that these Baltimore Ravens, I'm born and raised on the banks of the Three Rivers. I'm a Steelers fan. I'm not supposed to like you guys, but one by one, you guys keep being nice guys. I don't like it. <laughs> well, you know, I, the, the amazing thing about football is that there's great guys in every locker room. There's great guys on every team, right? So if, if you're a fan of one team, then you're a fan of the entire NFL because, in essence, you're paying every single guy in every single locker room because we make all of our money from the fans. So, you know, we appreciate you guys, and I know that we have our beasts with teams. Like, yeah, we don't like New England. Yeah, we don't like Pittsburgh, but we respect them. We I train with half the guys on their team on, on both of those teams in the off season. We shoot the stuff, and, and we hang out, and we do all kinds of stuff. And then on Sundays, we bring the best out of each other, and, and that's the great thing. The parody in the NFL is unparalleled. I hear you, but I, I'd appreciate it if you'd act like more of a jerk just so that I would have uh, these lines of uh, – these lines of uh, of good and bad drawn out more easily for me. You well, understand? I'm not going to let you suck me in with your gimmicks and all this. <laughs> I'm still going to go out there and I'm going to pop someone in the face. It doesn't matter. But right now, you know, I'm at home. I'm a dad. I'm chilling. It's Tuesday. It's my day off. And, you know, I'm going to be a nice guy. I'm not going to go on Twitter. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to say anything. So the New England fans, they can chill out. They sent me about a thousand hate messages, <laughs> some really unpatriotic hate messages. <laughs> if you're a true patriot, then you believe in the Constitution and you can't be calling people slaves and all these oh. derogatory things. So, you know, just clean it up and be a patriotic patriot, man, and just say that I'm a jerk, and, and I can accept that. All right. Well, listen, you and I are uh, are brothers on that level, that's Beating for sure, because I've gotten beaten up plenty verbally the last few days myself for, for daring to say anything less than Tom Brady's the greatest in the history of uh, of, of sport. But, uh, hey, listen, Brendan, I am Bendejo. How was that? Well, you know, you started out a little pitchy, but you, you fixed it at the end, so you're good. <laughs> All right, listen, good luck in Foxborough. Go get them, and, uh, and maybe we'll catch up in New Orleans if everything works out. Hey, go Ravens, and I'll see. I'll talk to you in New Orleans. Oh, sure. good. Yeah, let's get some of those grilled oysters. That'd be nice. All right, there he goes, the great uh, Brendan Ayabendejo. Dave. Dave. I wasn't pitchy at all. I don't. That that's the only thing. See, a little. Uh, you know what though? Maybe he was uh, he was uh, doing what I asked him to do and being a little jerky to me. You know, yeah, because I, now, see, now I've turned against him again. Oh, okay, good. correcting me, showing me up like that. Good. But good. is it true that these guys are too nice? Why have we had any jerks from the Ravens on the show? So I can. No, we haven't. 
And I know it's us as Steelers fans. It's really, <laughs> really tough. With now that's and, making me angry. You're not and, allowed. I told you. Him and Terrence Newman. You know, we're now. It's it's hard for us. Hardcore. Lease out your fandom all you want, Rank. But the one team you're not allowed to root for is the Steelers. I thought I've been very clear on this subject. This oh. is not subject for debate. Brandon Whedon. Brandon Whedon was also a nice guy on the show. Oh yeah. While Brandon Whedon, yeah, we've had some Bengals. You know who else is a nice guy? Hoosh. Hoosh Manzada. And he played for the Bengals and the Ravens. You understand the conundrum that all these uh, conversations with these guys are having now? Anyway. Funny story. uh, Brandon just uh, text our talent booker, Stacey Garcia, and he was excited with his performance on the show. So, (laughs) That's awesome. (laughs) He was excited. He was excited. Like, I killed it, quote, unquote. (laughs) Oh, by the way, I'm not Nigerian born. Oh, right, listen. Born, Atlanta Rams. born. I don't know. And by oh, I can't believe I forgot to ask him this. Hey, Rank, I want to pull back the talk about pulling the curtain back a little okay. bit. I, and the tweets I get and everything else from people. The the podcast from what was it last Wednesday? Uh, last Tuesday? Last Wednesday? One of our casts last week. Black tie. If you're new to the program, he likes to waste time each episode by giving a shout out to someone who he doesn't know or have any knowledge of, but is this is his thing? He feels like this is a charitable deed on his part. Um, I he said that he wanted to give a shout out to all the Nigerian drivers because yes. in Nigeria, according to Black Tie. Virtually every family in that country has oh, a driver. You has a driver, and they all have drivers. And you and I rightly questioned how this could be because if every family has a driver, then there must be a member from every family driving another family. So it seems right. like it can't work out. Oh, a lot of tweets. I got over the last year. I've been to Nigeria. I spent a year in Nigeria. I grew up in Nigeria. I live in Nigeria currently. I have no idea. The, the consistent message is I have no idea what Black Tie is talking about because there are, because the the number of people that have drivers in our country, in this country uh, of Nigeria, is very small. How say you, Black Tie? I don't know where those people are from. It's not <laughs> Nigeria. Well, Nigeria. Let me uh, let me back up for a second. Not every family, like, oh, but typically okay. everyone in sort of like the mid class to upper tier, every household typically in that range, do have drivers. They have drivers, house oh. helps, maids, and so on and so forth. I don't want to get serious, but but uh, you know the I have been you know as I in Bendejo. Um, just uh, just mentioned in his killer conversation there. Mm-hmm. What is that, that really? What would happen if somebody came out in the locker room? Would that really receive the scorn that people seem to fear would happen? Does yes. that uh, you really um, do think so? Yeah. Why so? Just being around football players in general, I just don't feel that they would be very. What would happen? What would happen uh, if let's say hazing, let's say like l- some sort of hazing he would be Ray Rice by Ray Rice what? let's if if he's a fringy player and it's easier to part ways with him I mean that does there does seem to be for better or worse and obviously for worse there does seem to be a class system and if you're a, mm-hmm. a special teamer who's on the edge of the the roster maybe you would get uh, uh, verbally you know maybe maybe some jokes but if it's Ray Rice on the Ravens let's say what what would be the response. That's ridiculous. There, there wouldn't be any response. What people would people would rip him. The players would say, "I can't be in the locker room with him." Do Some you, anonymous player would go and tweet, not tweet something, but would talk to somebody and be like, "Yeah, I, I'm not comfortable with this." I don't I think feel. so because our society now, the majority of people frown on that sort of. Really? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, the, you, you not you not that sort of prejudice is you, not acceptable are you, are among you, our kidding. no among uh, among the majority of our nation. No. If you went out, if you no. made a public statement, and I, I and said I don't want to play with Ray Rice anymore. I don't. I'm not comfortable being in the locker room with him. So on and so forth. That guy would be vilified. He would be the one who would he get would objectified, be, not Ray Rice. He would be by half the population. We had a vote on this in California, and it lost because people didn't want. Same I think that I was that was because still, it, that that's still, owed more to the fact that it was that it was muddy. What uh, the way it was approached. There are still problems, people who but, feel like it's a choice and things of that nature and. But in in a locker room where like where Brendan just said we're a fist we're one as long as you're a good guy do you think that would go over if you isolated yourself by saying I'm not comfortable with playing with this guy because of uh, because of uh, who he lives with or who he makes out with I can't be that you think the organization would be like yeah he's entitled to his opinion no way the organization would come down on that there's no way the league would come down on it the the team would the players would come down on it and say there is no room for you to talk that way ray you think ray lewis would be like yeah that's cool that's cool no they would say keep your mouth shut but it would still we're a happen. team and we're not going to stand for that but it would still happen all I mean, right but, you, but it would not be but it would not be it, it wouldn't be the apocalypse that i think people fear it would be for that guy i'm saying i think i think the guy who would be in trouble is the one who speaks out against it okay fair fair enough all right now enough with that talk let's talk about uh, about the football game itself Let's do it with our pal. He almost won the 2012 Shecky Award for Newcomer to the Podcast of the Year. Unfortunately, it didn't work for him. I'm sorry. We don't give awards to people who don't show their face here in Studio 66 for the awards ceremony. Still our pal, though. He is known on the Twitter as at Move the Sticks. He know, he's known here as our pal. It's Daniel Jeremiah. What's the poop, fella? Well, Dave, I don't remember the exact phrase, but it's something like, you know, what, 50% of success is just showing up. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I learned that. You know, hey, I don't show up, I don't get the award. I'm cool with that. Well, you learned a powerful lesson, and uh, I hope you'll remember it moving forward. But let's not talk about the past. Let's talk about what lays ahead here, and we want to talk about this Patriots and Ravens game. I also want to mention the fact that uh, on NFL.com, Move the Sticks, Daniel Jeremiah, QB guru, personnel man, Supreme, has uh, has laid out his top, uh, his uh, his first mock draft here, or his second mock draft as we get ready for uh, what goes down after the Super Bowl over in, uh, in New York City there. And we'll kibitz about that, but let's pick up where we left off with Ian Bendejo. Tom Brady, Patriots, Joe Flacco. Flacco, in the last 51 weeks, in playoff games, Outplayed Tom Brady in Foxborough, Manning in Mile High. What is about? Is it about Flacco in January one and two? Can he do it again? Well, you know, hey, why couldn't he do it again? You know, after last week, I think you have to feel confident if you're the if you're the Ravens and Joe Flacco. From the standpoint that, to me, the biggest thing in that game last week was could they control those pass rushing ends? And they did just fine up front. Now I think they're going to have an easier chore with the Patriots. I don't think they pose nearly the same. Uh, perimeter threat. It's just going to be basically trying to, to, to control Will Fork inside. If they can do that, I think Flacco will have time, and he's proven when he has protection, the guy can play, especially when the stakes are high. So, yeah, I think he can do it again, absolutely. Well, is that is that really the key to what this Ravens offensive transformation? I know it's a small sample size, but they were pretty crummy uh, for the majority of the season. Then Jim Caldwell comes in, and uh, Ayabendejo just more or less 
says that, that uh, they weren't sticking with the ground game with Ray Rice under Cam Cameron and Caldwell's made a difference there. But is it the transformation or, or the reshaping of the offensive line for the Ravens and putting different pieces in there that's made the difference now? Oh, I, I think it's the latter. I think it's absolutely the offensive line shuffling. Uh, to me, when they when they put McKinney back in the starting lineup, they strengthen three positions because you get McKinney, who's better at left tackle than Orr was. You move Orr over to right tackle, who's better at right tackle than Osamelli was. And then they move Osamelli inside the guard, who was who better than Ja Reed. So you make one move, you strengthen three positions. Now you've got Orr and Yonda next to each other on the right side. They know each other very well. They're very comfortable. They can run to that side, two guys that are potentially dominant run blockers. So to me, the question was, why the heck did it take that long uh, to get McKinney in the lineup? I think they were trying to prove a point to him early in the season by, by setting him down. Uh, but they are a different offense with him in there. They, they are much better up front. Daniel, we do picks on NFL.com for the upcoming championship game weekend. I initially said the New England Patriots, but now I'm starting to hedge a little bit. I'm starting to lean towards the Ravens. Am I crazy? No, I, I picked them. I picked the Ravens to win. And you can't call me a homer. I know Dave's going to want to call me a homer having worked there because I picked the, the Broncos to beat the Ravens last week. But, you know, sometimes these Super Bowl runs, you kind of have those miracle plays. It seems like just about every team that wins a Super Bowl somewhere along the way, maybe it's in the Super Bowl, maybe it's in the first round of the playoffs, but there's some – you know, miracle play. It's almost like a no-hitter. If you throw a no-hitter, you have to have a, a, a circus catch somewhere along the line. I, I think that home run pass to Jacoby Jones might just have been the, their circus play that they needed, and, and that's why I'm kind of riding with them. I think they're just kind of a, a little bit of a corny phrase. But they, they look like a team of destiny right now. I agree with that, that those uh, that most teams that win titles have those special moments, those singular moments that might, might have gone against them and changed history. But shame on you. How dare you accuse me of, of saying that I would think you're a homer. That's absolute. <laughs> I, I consider you an adult. And like myself, I am sure that you're capable of delineating between what you want to see happen and what you think will happen. You see, this is what happens to me on the Twitter. (laughs) I say things about what I want to see happen, and then I say things that I think are going to happen, and then I get abused by fan bases for having – I'm not a homer. Well, maybe I am. You are. I'm a homer, but I still am able to say what I think is going to happen. You see? Anyway. Well, Dave, see, this is the problem I got. Like, I'm down here at the East-West game, right? Mm-hmm. All the NFL brass are here. I got friends on a lot of teams, you know, obviously guys I've worked with before. So I got I got to run into my buddies with the Ravens, you know? So they know I picked against them last week. That probably cost me a dinner <laughs> down here. You know, I had to come out of wallet for dinner last night. That wouldn't have happened if I had just been a homer. Integrity, though. you there, No price tag on oh. that, Jeremiah. Oh, now, no, no. Hey, hey, my sandwich, you know, I paid my eight bucks for my sandwich last night, and it tasted well, knowing that I, you know, I paid for it myself. <laughs> All right, well, what about, but what about Flacco? Now, you know Flacco, and I have said, and you and I have had this conversation, I say it all the time, there is no element that influences a QB success in the NFL more than the quality of the offensive line in front of him. I, I, I don't care who the receivers are, the offensive coordinator, the philosophy, the overall philosophy of the team. All those things matter, but the thing that matters most is how clean you can keep a QB. That being said, how is Flacco able to flip a switch like this? After I mean, look, it's not like he is on the edge of being a top 10 QB for the most part in the regular season. You look at him, and at best you would say he's middle of the pack, and at worst you would say he's in the bottom 10 QBs. How is he all of a sudden taking care of Manning and Brady on the road? 
Well, you know, I, 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 this probably sounds like I'm dodging it, but I think you've got to look at other factors. And I, I give him credit. He's playing well. But look at these first two playoff games. I mean, he's thrown up 50-50 ball to Anquan Bolden hmm. in the game against the Colts. And Bolden makes some fantastic plays. And then last week, you look at the ball, you know, Torrey Smith just had his way with Champ Bailey. Uh, and, and, and he also had a 50-50 ball where he went up over Bailey and caught it. So at some point in time, you got to give those guys credit for making plays around him. And just as you know, just as Flacco's success is part of the reason those guys deserve, deserve credit, you go back to them losing to the Patriots last year and look at the drop pass. You know that that obviously needs to be brought up. If, if those guys, you know, make plays like they've made these last few weeks, the Ravens would have been in the Super Bowl last year. It, seem, a, it seems like anytime Joe Flacco does well. We have to make excuses why he's doing well because we can't accept it. And going on the other side, when Peyton Manning throws a game away, nobody's ever willing to come out and say, you know what, Manning is making the plays that cost his teams in the playoffs. I and say it? What do you mean no one? Damashek says it. The two this of guy us. is a choker. Frank and I do not get our credit, Jeremiah, for always saying it consistently. This Peyton Manning, I don't care, coach on the field, all this hokum, terrific. He's had great success. His numbers are phenomenal, beyond reproach. But in January, facts are facts. This guy chokes. Well, I, I tweeted it out before the game in the middle of the week last week. I hadn't heard much talk about it. I think we talked about it. We talked about it in the in the, in the yes, because we always talk about it because no one yeah. ever wants to accept it. They act like we're yeah. a couple of kooks. <laughs> yeah, no, but I, that's why I said I tweeted out that seven of eleven, you know, one and dones, and now we're eight of twelve. So you know, I, I feel like I might not be a full fledged member of your society, but I'd like to be considered guest rights. I, you know, I, I, I feel you're trying to curry favor with us because you blew off the Sheckies. <laughs> Guys, can I jump in here real quick? And I saw DJ's tweet about, you know, his first game losing those, his record in the first games. But doesn't the fact that a lot of his, his teams have had buys, doesn't that count for something? Like, shouldn't that count for a fact? <laughs> Some, uh, suddenly oh, now, suddenly now he There's has to overcome one. a buy. Usually no, that's no. considered to be a benefit. No, that's what I'm saying. Well, but shouldn't whole, him getting a buy count for something? both ways because if, if you want to defend him for saying they had a buy, well, has anybody ever had a buy and gone on the road following that buy? It's never happened. Obviously, you're sitting at home inside a dome, air conditioning, perfect conditions. So, I, uh, you know that's that's the other side of that argument. No, I hey, look, that wasn't. He wasn't. You know, and I, I get it. I don't. I'm not going to sit here and just be a, a a big time defender of Peyton. But hey, if Peyton Manning was co- in cover three back there, I think he would have had a better chance of knocking that ball down than Raheem Moore did. I get people trying to you know give Peyton a pass on that. It wasn't all his fault. Guys. No, 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 no. Of course not. But on the other hand, yeah, Raheem he Moore. Got two, he, he, got, he had two kickoff returns for touchdowns. That, Could he have done that? Fact is this. Here's the fact. Yes. You get He'd two. He'd have got to the 15, right? <laughs> <laughs> That's optimistic. The uh, Listen, Holiday gives you not one but two returns at home. What team in history, you talk about statistical, historical anomalies, a home team gets two kick returns in their favor, and Flacco essentially head-to-head. I know it's not a head that you're playing different defenses and so on, but the bottom line is Flacco 28, Peyton Manning 21 in regulation. That must be noted. I mean, that 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 is inarguable, and the idea that, well, Raheem Morvey knocks that down, it doesn't go to overtime, and John Fox should have pressed the issue with 30 seconds left, I think that's really hard to debate. But it's a quarterback league, and we talk constantly. We don't talk a lot about Raheem Moore. His name hasn't come up a lot in the podcast. I understand that's a media (laughs) creation, but the notion that it's a a QB league, 
does matter for something. And if it's Peyton Manning and if we say, well, he got the team that far, then you must deliver when it counts. Otherwise, you're A-Rod. You're Brett Favre. Brett Favre, the gunslinger, threw so many big games away for his team. You know who else has? The coach out on the field, the very bright and uh, beyond reproach Peyton Manning. When is it? This is... I almost feel like we're being abusive here because now the secret's out. Peyton Manning, you cannot debate it, does not show up as big as he does in the in the regular season when the playoffs start up. Well, the other thing is too is just kind of his his style. I, I also think there's you know it's just kind of a, a broader theory here, but I, I think the style of play, just like the NBA, how, how the style of play can change mm-hmm. once you go into the playoffs. I think the NFL is like that. You know, we've had eight playoff games. Seven of the eight winners had more rushing yards than, than the team they played. So I, I think there is something to the fact that the physicality of the game becomes a little more in focus in the playoffs as opposed to the finesse style. And I think you're kind of dealing with a, a finesse player. And the rules, they, they, they let it go a little bit in the postseason. They let them get after receivers and manhandle them a little bit. They're not, not as flag happy. So I, I just think it's a little bit different game. He's never really been on a physical style team. And some of that's just the way they make it up to, to cater to his needs. But they've been on a passing team. Now you're playing in cold weather. You're kind of a finesse team, and that team from Baltimore—that that ain't no finesse team that rolled in there. That's yeah, you're not physical, playing the Chiefs. Team. I, you know what? I think you just it, you hit the nail on the head. The analogy I would make is the Atlanta Braves, whose two best pitchers, with John Smoltz, was their best postseason pitcher, just about perennially. Every time they get into the uh, in in October, Glavin. And Maddox, however, are finesse pitchers. That style doesn't lend itself when you start going against top-of-the-line teams like that. You need the guy who's throwing the 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 big heat. It, it, yes, Greg Maddox and Tom Glavin could thrive when they were playing bum teams in the National League and you win 95 or 100 games with that way. But in the postseason, it's different. Peyton Manning's style just doesn't lend itself. So interesting insight there. Now, let's uh, let's turn things over now to the other side very quickly. What do you make of this? All we talk about is who's elite, who's an elite QB, and now you have Tom Brady, who is, I guess, sort of the gold standard for what defines elite over the last uh, 15, 20 years. And then you have Colin Kaepernick with this transcendent, what what am I looking at? I've never seen anything like this outside of Vince Young in the Rose Bowl running by guys as though they're standing still, even though they're world-class athletes. What is it about the – what what, what um, collective sort of thought can you give about the four remaining QBs, or is it so much hokum that we talk about all season long? You need an elite QB. You need an elite QB. Suddenly you have Matt Ryan, Joe Flacco, Tom Brady, and Colin Kaepernick. What is it about those four guys that has allowed them to, to, to get this far? You know, it's interesting because it, one thing, you know, we talk about the mock drafts and, the, and, and starting to focus our attention going towards a draft here not too far away. I tweeted out the other day, I mean, look, this, this, this doesn't show you you can find quarterbacks, you know, anywhere. It doesn't matter. Talking about being a hard position to evaluate the NFL level, it's a hard position to evaluate the college level. You got Joe Flacco, you know, transfer from Pitt coming out of Delaware. You had Russell Wilson, you know, who was he, – he, which schools you've got Nevada's quarterback Colin Kaepernick turning the league upside down. So I mean, this is a hard position to evaluate at all levels. And when I when I look at the guys that are remaining, obviously you have the athleticism with Kaepernick. You've got a lot of different qualities these guys share. The one thing that sticks out to me when you talk to all these guys as I did through the draft process, these four guys are very bright, and you have to be bright. I think a lot of the focus is you know with a mobile quarterback that's here to stay and. 
This is a new era of football. Look, you talk to RG3, you talk to Kaepernick, you talk to Russell Wilson. These are three bright guys who picked up offenses very fast. They know how to read defenses, and also they're immensely talented. But I, I think that's one area that's underrated. You have to be a very, very bright guy to be successful at that position. Um, well, that uh, that uh, allows us now to look at uh, the draft class, and you're there looking at the East-West Shrine game. And talk about, to me, uh, you know, say say uh, to, uh, you have Luke Jokel at number one, uh, spoiler alert, as your number one prospect right now, <laughs> going to the Chiefs. Why would they take him? If you're Andy Reid, unless you're going to bring Mike Vick in as a one-year Band-Aid to, to sort of, uh, you know, transfer your system and, and w- with somebody who knows how to run it for a year or two and then and then move on to the next thing. To me, Geno Smith is the guy to get. I mean, I know Tom Brady and Matt Ryan and Joe Flacco are traditional style QBs, but clearly looking at the 2012 season, it's all about these QBs that can run around a little bit and have a big arm and they're bright. Geno Smith seems to cut that figure on all three levels. Why would they not get uh, Geno Smith? Well, first of all, I don't think Gino is quite as athletic as, as some people might lead on. I, I think he's more of the mold. You know, he, he's with there with Holgerson. When you go back to Holgerson's roots at Texas Tech, I mean, you talk about Cliff Kingsbury. You talk about a lot of the quarterbacks they had there. This was, that's not the offense that's built quite off the mobile quarterback like a Rich Rod's offense uh, would be. So I, I don't think he's quite you know, he's nearly as athletic as, as Kaepernick or Wilson or some of these guys we've seen right now. But, you know, he's a solid prospect. I, I, I personally had him at seven to Arizona. That to me is even a reach. I don't think he's a top hmm. ten type talent, but I think Arizona will be more desperate. Uh, the reason I go Joker with Andy Reid, even though they have Brandon Albert. Brandon Albert's a free agent. They could decide to let Brandon Albert go, use their money, uh, like I could see Andy Reid doing, invest a little bit of it, keep Dwayne Bow there, and Andy Reid always takes offensive or defensive linemen. Go back and look at his draft record. Every year he tries to take the best offensive or defensive linemen. They plug him in place, and there's a group of quarterbacks. I think this is the second-round quarterback draft. I don't think there's the elite players. I think there's about six or seven guys. Every team's going to see him differently, but at the top of the second round, you're going to get one of those guys. I think you'll see him go you know, offense or defensive lineman in the top where there's value for it and then come back and get a value quarterback in the second round. Let's say every QB is the same age. Every QB starting in the NFL is 22 years of age and in relative good health, which is the guy you take right now. I mean, because like I say, looking at Colin Kaepernick on Saturday night, it felt like it must have been like being a baseball player seeing a curveball for the first time. Like, what am I? What am I looking at? Some of the some of the lasers he was throwing. That pass to Vernon Davis, he threw up the seam, was unbelievable. And then, like I say, his his style is sort of like uh, Vince Young, uh, reminiscent of watching him play Michigan and and I guess USC in college gliding past guys it's it, you know because of his length and everything it's a, almost Mario Lemieux in the NHL it looks like he's not even trying to run past them and he's blowing past them is 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 that the future or is it the more traditional type of QB well I, I think you know right now the answer to your question first of all all the quarterbacks were the same age I still think even though he got smoked in that game just because the body of work what, how much I know about him and his skill set, I still think I would take Aaron Rodgers mm. uh, just just because of all the different things he can do. And I've seen him do it a little bit longer. That's kind of my, my reasoning there. Uh, but Kaepernick is turning the football on his ear, and I think you look at what he's doing, 
somebody asked me about the offense and how they're, they're running it and how difficult it is to stop. I said, look, this, look what, what the Redskins did with RG3, how they turned people around in knots uh, with, with all the stuff they're running. This is the same thing, except you've got a far superior offensive line, a far superior tight end, and a true number one receiver as Crabtree's developed. So you've got superior players running the same thing. The Redskins were torturing people with that offense. So there's going to be an adjustment period. I think you'll see defenses make a little bit of an adjustment once they get an offseason to try and digest this whole thing. But absolutely, that's where it's going. If you've got a guy, the quarterbacks are somewhat even, and one guy can run and make this kind of offense roll, you're going to see teams lean in that direction. All right. I So you already said you're picking the Ravens to come out of the AFC. I disagree, for the record, with you and Rank, because I just, uh, practically speaking, two straight games taking a ton of snaps is what the Ravens have done. Those double overtime, a double overtime game in that uh, in that cold and everything. Now they've got to go back. It seems like that's just uh, too tall in order. All right, but you take the Ravens. Who are they going to be playing in the Super Bowl? I, I'm going to go with the 49ers. I, I just, you know, and I, I give the Falcons credit. That was a big win they had the other day. Credit to Matt Ryan for, for making that happen in the last 30 seconds. But I, I watched that game from start to finish. I still feel like the Seahawks were a better football team mm-hmm. than they did than mm-hmm. they are. Just just watching them play, I thought they don't screw up in the first half, don't get any points out of those two drives. Totally changed the game. I, I just think they were a better team, and I think that was a physical, physical game they played, and now they're going to bring in the 49ers who are going to play even more physical I just think the 49ers are too big, too strong, too physical for this Atlanta team. I don't see how this Atlanta offensive line is going to be able to hold up against the front uh, from from the 49ers. I agree with you, and that means Harbaugh. Two weeks, a whole fortnight of analysis of Jim and John (laughs) and where they came from and what their childhood was like. Oh, it, 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 I'm not exactly excited for that, but uh, that would be a fun game. You realize, you realize that in my, uh, Little little tiny measly football career. We can always tie it together. My last the last snap I took in college, in the semifinals, I, I got hurt towards the end of the year. I, I so I wasn't starting at the end of the year, but I came in. We had our starter go down. I went in and played the second half. We had a comeback victory over Western Kentucky, coached by Jack Harbaugh. Wow, wow! How about that? Pretty cool stuff well, I'm there. I want to know against the Harbaugh's, man. These Harbaugh's, you know, win everything. But I, hey, I want to know, man. All right. Well, Jeremiah, a delight as always, insightful as always. Make sure you check out uh, Move the Sticks' latest piece there at NFL.com, his latest mock draft there, Luke Jokel to the Kansas City Chiefs, on down all the way through the first round. Have a good time at the East-West Shrine game, and then enjoy the games, and then let's start looking forward to me, you, and Handsome Hank uh, sharing that suite down in uh, New Orleans. Oh, hey, hey! I'm ready. I'm, I'm trying to make my push right now. Is there a mid-year Shecky Award I can shoot for? Maybe something you know, nope. six months from now I can aim for. Nope. Deal with it for then. You got a, you got about fifty and a half wow. weeks now to to try and make amends. That's up to you how you choose to do that. Like Peyton Manning, I got to build the resume brick by brick here. <laughs> All right, Daniel Jeremiah, uh, we'll yap with you very soon. Thanks for the time, fella. See you guys. All right, there he goes. Move the sticks rank. Daniel Jeremiah. East West Shrine game is where he can where he is right now. You can follow him and uh you can watch that game this Saturday, four PM on the East Coast, one PM East West Shrine game. Colin Klein is gonna be out there to take a look at. Ray Graham, nice little mm-hmm. a little undersized, but a nice running back from Pitt, so on and so forth. 
check it out there. And Rank, you gave away your pick for the AFC I, title game. Was gonna, I didn't. Well, gonna, yeah, I know. Spoiler I was, alert. Well, no, because I haven't really decided. I've told you oh, where you I was go. leaning I one way. You're starting to convince me another way. I've really got to sit down and really tackle this. We're already was- winners, Rank. You and me are the only two who knew about Peyton. We're the only ones who saw. Yes. Everyone else was looking, but we're the only two who saw before it happened. It's one of those things, too, and everybody wants to come up and argue and uh, dispute facts, even our, our good friend Dan Hanzus, who joined us in the beginning of the show. Somebody came up to me on Sunday, and they said, you know, I really— You had a lot of people come up to you this week, Adam I did. Rank. Well, you know, a lot of people— He's famous. A lot of people like to talk to me about football, and some guy goes, I don't like the fact that quarterbacks are judged by wins in the playoffs. And I said, how should we, how should we decide them? Dude? Like, how do we crown a champion? I love- Is there a big Super Bowl at the end of the year that we play and we hand out a trophy? No, it's it's the fact it's undisputable. I mean, those play and to be honest, why is Peyton Manning even going to play next year? I love how you guys rag on Peyton this whole show. Rag, rag. What about I haven't ragged said on nothing him at all. about A Rod. A Rod had that one great year. He won Aaron Rodgers. Yes. Are you talking about? Are you talking about when I? But to clarify, just in case anyone is confused, the way Black Tie apparently is. Uh, when I mentioned A Rod earlier, I was talking about Alex. Rodriguez. No, I understand. Totally understand. I told yeah. you Aaron Rodgers' nickname when I referred to him. I will call him just Aaron Rodgers, but his his nickname is um wait what did i come up with him for oh aaron go brat get it because he because yeah. brat they brought worse than wisconsin aaron go brat that's a great that's a great nickname. point but is anyway, go ahead point is he's out of the playoffs too second straight in a row divisional round like yeah, but you tough, don't pin guys. it did on you, him. The fumble, you, you know, by the way, that's a play that people are, haven't talked enough about because there were so many big cataclysmic plays the fumble punt it felt in, in in the stick I'm talking about on Saturday night. Right. It's fourteen seven at that point, San Francisco. I mean, uh, Green Bay, and it had the feel to me. It had a it, it had a vibe that the Packers were about to implode. No, no, no. Other way, Packers well, were about. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. After they fumble, but if the Packers get the ball there, I felt like even though they would have been taking the ball over deep in their own territory, I felt like the Packers were on the cusp of really getting oh, on a like, roll. They're already up a touchdown. I felt like they're going to they're, they're gonna, you know, take it to them now. And then all of a sudden that fumble happened, 14-14, and the Niners don't look back. That's what I agree with. Yeah. I agree that I thought you meant that after that play, because once that fumble happened in San Francisco, I go, uh-oh, this isn't going to be good for Green Bay. This is where it starts. You, you've allowed them back into a game they probably shouldn't be in, and uh, you saw what happened. I, oh, by the way, real quick um, – the nickname that I've come up with for Colin Kaepernick is, tell me if you like this one, mm-hmm. the Blu-ray. Why or, or Blu-ray? I don't know. Is it the Blu-ray or Blu-ray? Why Blu-ray. Blu-ray? Because if you're a coach who has a traditional style quarterback, suddenly you feel like you have a VHS player. You see? You know what I'm getting at? I see what you did there. He's on the cusp. He's the on future. The, the future is now. You get Do you it? Not think I, I don't like that? that. I don't Why? like that. Blu-ray. I don't like Blu-ray in general. I think Blu-ray is like the worst name. All right, for any- Apple download. I mean, what what should we call them? I don't know. What you iTunes. Do- I yeah, that's not that's I, come not on. that's not as catchy. All right, listen, we'll be back with another podcast for you to get you ready for the two title games. We're looking forward to those. Not as much as we might have been had it been Fail Mary two or you know the Seahawks and nine. But all right, listen. 
We're not going to get down. We're going to get excited for these games. Thanks in the meantime to Brendan Ayabendejo, once again making me like another Raven, which I don't want to do. Also, to move the sticks, Daniel Jeremiah. Make sure you check out his latest mock draft there on NFL.com. Zeus from around the league. Make sure you follow around the league. Rank, you want to promote anything? We'll have a gridiron breakdown this week and a pick six. So if you go to NFL.com slash Adam Rank, you can always catch my latest work. I'm not familiar with either of those things, but good luck with both of them. <laughs> and then we have a new uh, shame report for you. Of course, uh, we're going to jump into the DeLorean later in the week. Me and Rank and Divine, who's going to win these games? Something's got to get. So We've got to fix that thing. That thing's <laughs> screwed up lately. That thing is just not working. Our jumps to the future, not working. All right, we'll see if we can repair it before we do that. And we'll keep us with you very soon. But in the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you pull up to game night in the all-new Camry, but it's actually bingo night. Mini golf, anyone? It's a Camry vibe. The all-new, all-hybrid Camry. Toyota. Let's go places. Burgers are best fresh from the grill. Well, more specifically, burgers with Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. It's so rich and creamy that it instantly makes any burger irresistible. And what backyard barbecue is complete without some potato salad? Not just any potato salad, of course. Potato salad highlights the rich, creamy goodness of Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. So if you want to take your barbecue season to the next level, stock up on Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. For great recipe ideas, visit Hellman's.com.